All yours. Good morning, everybody. Please be seated. It's so good to be with Pastor Bark this morning. And <laughs> I don't know what happened to me Wednesday night, but I just got tongue twisted. But there you go. I am Italian. Italians get a lot of things mixed up. I had a guy working on my house who, his wife, he's a new migrant, Italian migrant to Australia, working on our house, and his wife's about to have a baby, and he, she nearly had the baby in the car. And she go, he goes, you know, Danny, I had to rush my wife into the hospital. She was having the baby, and she was having contradictions. <laughs> she was having contradictions. Later on, he goes, you've got no imagination what I've been through. I'm not sure that that's the right word, you know. She goes, you put your shoes in my shoes. And I go, well. I said to my wife, that's the strawberry that broke the camel's back. And you think, where do you get that from? Sometimes even as Christians, we can get our accent mixed up. I am looking forward to some fish and chips. But God is restoring the language of Judah back to his church. And I'm really excited about what God wants to do in this place. I've been praying for you and praying with you. And it's just been amazing to sense the presence of God in the house. Last night when I went to bed, and I know we've got a time restriction, so I'll get into it. I felt the Lord drop some things in my heart. One of them was Wednesday night. I didn't get time to share. And it was just simply this. Because this house has done its slowlies very well, get ready for a suddenly. Because you've done your slowlies very well, it's time to get ready for some suddenlies. You know, not that too much has been that slow in this place. It's one of the largest churches I know. But there's a slowness in the sense of unless the Lord builds the house, unless God's truth is proclaimed, Sometimes we can see stuff grow very, very fast and it's a man-made structure that is still done with a pure desire, but there's a difference when God goes first, revelation comes, and sometimes in my life, leading by revelation has led me into some slowlies because I so want to get to things happening, you know, and, and God goes, wait, wait. And I feel that there has been momentum in the house, but there's a different momentum coming it's a new era that God is bringing to the house. And this is what the Lord dropped into my heart. You judge it this morning. He said to me this morning, this morning I believe, to tell you to get ready for divine interruptions. Okay. Not just unhealthy interruptions or, or challenging, like, oh, what's going on? But, but just God showing up and go, this. You go, really? Yeah. Divine interruptions and for Holy Spirit-led initiatives that are going to come to the house... Because God will bring clarity where there is purity. Now that was just what dropped into my heart this morning. That as you have a purity of motive. I remember one day walking on the beach and saying, God, I don't know how to pastor a church. My first church, I don't know what I'm doing. I've got no idea. He said, the pureness of your motives will determine the clearness of your vision. The pureness of your motives will determine the clearness of your vision. And then another day I'm walking on the beach and we're to borrow millions of dollars and, and I'm scared spitless, I really am. I'm about to put my house on the line. A whole lot of things as guarantor because the church was too young to ask everybody else to take ownership without me as the leader going first. 
And God spoke to me on the beach as I was walking on the beach. And he says, the risks that you take that flow from revelation, I will always reward with results. Wow, that's great, isn't it? The risks that you take that flow from revelation, I will always reward with the results. What I believe this weekend God wants to do is encourage your personal faith, your personal journey, even as we speak into the corporate journey. It's a, a, they don't, they're not separated for each other, you know, from each other. I often say to pastors, the first congregation you've got a pastor is the one inside of you. You know, as a pastor, I have to inside of me listen to the voices that sometimes are spoken out there in the open. You can't do this. Who do you think you are? Are you up yourself? You know, whatever. And I've had to talk to the congregation inside of me before I can lead out there. And this morning, every one of us has a congregation inside of us. But the beautiful thing is God is interested in you and he's interested in everything you're going through. And the fact that I'm standing here this morning is an absolute miracle where 16 months ago, Sharon and I lost our eldest son, Chris, 39 years of age, a youth pastor speaking at a youth camp with his young people and got killed by a lightning strike in an instant. And I grieve very, very deeply. And at times, the thought of getting up and preaching four times on a Sunday scares me because of the, the weakness inside of me in the flesh and my soul aches. And tonight I'm going to share that story and I'm going to share the way our family and our church and myself have navigated through the fact that we can say with conviction, God is good all the time. And I want to tell you, I'm grateful for eternity this morning. And what I'm about to share with you from scripture, and I believe it has prophetic prongs that go personally and into the vision of the house it is out of my own also personal pain because you don't transfer sermons, you transfer who you are. And Lord, I pray for an impartation this morning into our hearts as we look at the Word of God and, and see your hand upon all that you are doing. I thank you for the era this house is in right now. And this house is not even aware of what's coming. But Father, you're aware of what's coming and it's all good and it's great. And I pray that you will enlarge our faith this morning to embrace your divine interruptions, to welcome them and know that, Lord, you never embarrass us, but you move us forward into the destiny you have. And I thank you for Church Unlimited that's built this house on truth, built this house on the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And Father, I thank you that you are not having a rest, but you are moving in multiplication anointing, about to increase momentum like never before in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've got friends that have been through grief, I've prayed for over a thousand people since my son passed away that have lost their children. It's been something I never thought would ever come to our lives. And tonight I want to tell you, you can stand again. You can sing again. You can serve again. And you've got to know when to sit as well. And I'm going to take you through our journey. It's a little bit teary for me. So please give me grace with my tears. Uh, I, try, I don't have in my notes at this point you can cry. You know, it's, it's not like that. Um, sometimes I don't. But when uh, at the end of my message, I'm going to read a poem that my grandson, who's just turned 15, wrote to his dad after his dad passed away. And if all you do after tonight is go home and hug your kids a bit more, you go home and hug your parents a bit more, we would have had a great weekend. And so Holy Spirit, come and help us through that. At the birth of our vision in 1994, 
I had no idea what I was doing, but I'm a man of journaling. I journal all the time, and I ask God to speak to me through my journaling. I I don't get my sermons off the internet, not that it's wrong to get ideas from people that are sharing what's in your heart, but for me, journaling became my lifeblood. It became my relationship with God that was a a strong connection with hearing the voice of God. And at the birth of our vision in 1994, God gives me a scripture. Now, I might not read it all because of time, but read it in your own time in Revelation chapter 3 verse 7 we meet the seven churches well in the book of Revelation we meet the seven churches that Jesus speaks to uh, through the writer uh, first of all and this is a great example is that he always writes to the churches with encouragement first he always says what they were doing well before he addressed what they needed to change I've had letters over the years with hey you I thought, how you know my name? But anyway, uh, you, know, uh, you know, attacking. And, and over the years, I've had letters. And I go, learn from, from the Bible. If you're going to write something, always start with something nice. But Jesus writes, and God writes to this church of Philadelphia in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. He finds nothing wrong with this church. But he turns around and says, I have opened a door before you that no man can shut. What an incredible promise that God opens what he opens and shuts what he shuts. And when he does it, we can trust him that he's the God of open doors. Over your life this morning and over this church, I prophesy open doors like we've never seen before. And God spoke this into my heart. And ladies and gentlemen, over 22 years of pastoring Edge Church in Adelaide, every promise God gave me has come to pass. I was able to stand in front of our church and go through the promises we prophesied. So in in 1994, we prophesied A, B, C, D. And then after 10 years, we said, church, did it happen? And we went through and ticked them. The second 10 years, when God told me to go into the community and to reach the community, he gave me 10 promises from Isaiah 58. And he said, if you do what's on my heart and go and do the the work of healing the poor and restoring communities, I will do these things. I'll come quickly. I'll be your rear guard. I mean, I I can't go through the 10 promises. They have all come to pass. But 16 months ago, I lose my son. A pastor stands in my room at home, Pastor Rick Shelton, an incredible man of God from St. Louis, Missouri, and he prophesies, and he says to me, this was around November, December, and he prophesies, and he says, within three days of this prophecy, young men and women are going to ring you from all over the world, and they're going to ask you to father them. They're going to ask you to mentor them, and you don't even know some of these people. Exactly three days later, the phone started ringing. First person that rang didn't know who I was. So I didn't know who they were. They knew who I was from a distance. And then a couple of months later, my son gets killed. How do you live with that? How do you get your head around that? And so in 1994, when God put promises in my heart and he said, I'm going to open doors that no man can shut, I had no idea that that didn't, that, that didn't involve opposition. I thought, wow, if God's opened doors, no one that can shut, worship at my footstool, this is going to be amazing. Everybody's going to love me. Everybody's going to amen me. Every, uh, God, you know how pure my heart is. Of course, no one's not going to like me. 
you know, and I went from being the fourth member of the Trinity one month and being part of the demonic legion another. And you think, how can I be the same person at the same time? And people left the church. Oh, for Jesus, I'm offended. And I'm thinking, God, how? I thought you said open doors. And yet I can promise you this morning, I'm not lying to you, every promise he gave me has come to pass. And it wasn't until after my son passed away that I went to all the scriptures in the Bible about open doors because I couldn't sort of get my head together on the two contrasts and the Holy Spirit showed me something I hadn't seen all those years. That God can only open doors that are powerful open doors of a, of a, a long-lasting situation, God can only open doors for people that can live with contrast. Can you live with contrast? How many people have left church over the years because God didn't answer their prayer? I gave to the building fund, but I lost my home. Or I did this, that happened. I did that and that happened. I see in our own church when people hit the wall, it's amazing how quickly they walk away from God and church. Not maybe, they, they don't think they're walking away from God, but they, they walk away from fellowship. And it's because we haven't understood that in life we live with contrast. And he is a good God. And he is a good God of blessing. Yeah, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. And so, as I started to study scripture, and in a moment I'll finish with Revelation 3, the church of Philadelphia, because there are four things about that church that spoke to me that I think can help us today and help us all. But as I began to look at this whole contrast, I found scriptures like this, 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9. In the meantime, I'll be staying here at Ephesus until the festival of Pentecost. There is a wide open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. God is a God of open doors. But are we willing to trust him with the contrast? Now, I'm only giving you my testimony, but this is how I summarize what's happened to me over 22 years, is God puts a dream in your heart. It's great as long as it just stays in your heart. But the minute you open your mouth and proclaim it, so God puts a dream in your heart, then you proclaim it, the enemy listens to it, and he looks for a plan to persecute it. But only when we persevere and pass the tests, we possess the promise. Let me read that to you again as God gave it to me. We proclaim God's promise. Once, sorry, God puts a promise in our hearts. He plants it there. Then we proclaim it. Then it's persecuted. We persevere. We pass the tests. And then we possess the promise. And so as I read 2 Corinthians chapter 2, sorry, yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 6 to 8, it says, We serve God whether people honor us or despise us. Whether they slander us or praise us, we are honest, but they call us impostors. We are ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we're still alive. We've been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Wow. Paul experiences great open doors, and yet he knows the power 
of God to live with contrast. I don't know what you're going through this morning. Maybe there's issues in a marriage. Maybe there's issues at home. Maybe there's issues at work, issues with the kids. And yet you see the hand of God on your life. You love Jesus. You, you, you have a, a deep faith in him. And sometimes you think, oh, wow, what is going on? Can we bow our heads right now? If we can just bow our heads right now. All over this room this morning, there are people, and some of you said before you came to church, you know, a part of me so wants to worship God, and yet this stuff is really getting to me. And you're living in contrast right now. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand wherever you are across this room. Thank you, 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 all over this room. Heavenly Father, today, I pray that we won't just hear a sermon, but that we'll be imparted to, to know that in whatever contrast we're in, you are with us, and we can live knowing that you will open doors that no man can shut, and we will walk through, and the victory is ours in Jesus' name. Please say amen. Can we live? And I ask myself the question after losing my son. Can I live with blessing and burden? Can I live with affirmation and attack? I had a text the other day from a woman in Perth who is so full of demons that no church in Perth can stop her rampage at the moment and she subpoenas people into court to attack them and they are pastors and leaders. The ACC movement in Perth has had to send a letter to all their churches talking about this lady that will subpoena pastors into court and say that they've abused her and they've never met her. And I'm preaching in Perth three or four weeks ago. She tried to get into my meeting and I didn't even know she existed. I didn't even know they tried to stop her from coming in. Somewhere along the line, hurt people hurt people. And somewhere along the line, she got hurt and couldn't deal with that hurt. Starts to attack the church. And while I'm preaching, she finds my home number and rings my wife. Rings my daughter and says she's going to come to Adelaide to deal with me and take me to court. I've never seen this lady in my life, but then she did a tweet the other night on, on Twitter and says, boo-hoo, your son died. You deserved it. Wow. wow. That is pretty heavy stuff. But can you live with affirmation and attack? Can you live with the comfort of the gospel, the good news and our crisis of faith? I never lost my belief when my son died, but doubts came. And tonight I'll talk about that. But can you live with pain and purpose? Can you live with times of faith and frustration, with patience and persistence? Show me the level of your stress, and I'll show you the level of your trust. Ooh, that's what God said to me. The more you get stressed out, Danny, the more you're showing me you don't trust me. Can we live with clarity and confusion? Can we, you know, clarity on some things? When my son Michael hit the wall, and some of you know the story I shared it last time, who had a, a breakdown in his life with an addiction and all kinds of things, I won't go into the story. This is what was said around Australia. If Pastor Danny is so prophetic, how come God didn't show him what his son was up to? You know, you've got to live with those kind of things. Can you live with clarity and confusion, with joy and sadness, with hurt and hope, with supernatural breakthroughs and God's silence? Sometimes God is silent and he doesn't give you clarity. And then there's clarity here, but there's no clarity there. I've learned just to trust him. I actually trust him with my life. I am not, and you are not, spiritual guinea pigs that God likes to experiment with. We are his kids. And he loves us. He did not kill my son. 
We live on a fallen planet, ladies and gentlemen, and the rain can fall on the just and the unjust. And God could have intervened, but he chose not to. And when there's no clarity, I will trust sovereignty because I believe that God is good. If we can trust God with contrast, he will trust us with open doors. So as we go forward to this church of Philadelphia, there are four things about this church I want to prophesy into this house today and into the body of Christ. It says, this is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who had the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do, and I've opened a door for you that no man can close. You have little strength. Yet you've obeyed my word and did not deny me. Because you've obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God. And they shall never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God and the name... And they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. This great church of Philadelphia had suffered so much persecution and had persevered. And now God comes and promises them open doors that no man can shut. And I found four reasons why. And here are the reasons this morning I believe prophetically that will open doors for this house in a greater way than you've ever seen before because of these four steps. Number one, they were a church of relationship. When it says, I know your works, this town was called the town of Philadelphia, which many of you know means brotherly love. The town was founded by the king of Pergamon in 190 BC. The town received its name by the king's nickname, Philadelphus, or Brother Love. The king had a great love for his brother, Eumenus. And people who honor God when living with contrast will have to have the right people speaking into our lives, the right people into relationship. And as I was praying for you this morning, I wrote it down. I felt the Lord speak to my heart. I wrote it down here somewhere. And he said to me, work hard. Work hard at staying connected on what the Holy Spirit is about to do. And this is the word. Get ready to be united in your expectation. That was the word God gave me this morning. See, this was a church of brotherly love. I know your good works. And under pressure, they didn't scatter, they gathered. They stayed together. And I don't believe there's any disunity in this house. Don't misunderstand me. But we can never have enough unity. And we can never have an increased maturity to that unity, especially when it's time of expectation of momentum and great things to come. And I really felt the Lord say, challenge the church this morning to make a decision. Don't engage gossip. Don't engage criticism. Don't engage misunderstanding. I used to teach a message on seven young ladies you should never take on a date. Misunderstanding, misquotation, misrepresentation. (laughs) And I could go on. And I just want to encourage you to have unity of purpose in this era because God is preparing something. None of us have the total clarity. I've never had total clarity. I've had to step out first. And as I step out in faith, God unfolds the clarity. What I do love about Pastor Tark is his passion to hear from the Holy Spirit. 
And I know many, many years ago, and I know he's the same as this, you know you've heard from the Holy Spirit, you know that something's coming, but you're not totally sure how it's going to work out. And in times like that, instead of saying, what's going on? What's happening? Have a unity of expectation. Come together and say, we're going to expect together because God responds to expectation and honour. When we honour God, honour each other, there's a unity that comes. I preached in a church in, just out of Sydney just a few uh, weeks ago and I was preaching and I said, God, I haven't been in a church like this for years. The people adored the pastor. The pastor adored the people. The board loved the pastor and the pastor loved the board. I mean, I saw an amazing expression of, of, of the power of God, of hospitality, of connection and it's a country church. Half the time, the pastor's out hunting. He's out there shooting. And maybe that's how they take out their frustrations. The board and the pastor go out shooting. And I said to him, I said, what is this? I've never seen anything like this. He goes, oh, we learned it from you. And I go, what? He said, we came to an edge conference years ago and you preached on honour. How to honour those beneath us, how to honour those above us, how to honour those around us. And I came home and put into practice what you preached. I said, I can't remember ever preaching it. (laughs) I went home and looked for the notes, couldn't find them. (laughs) He says, no, you preached it. And he goes, and we've lived it for 18 years. And there was such a spirit of honour. And I really believe God wants you, and I'm speaking prophetically this morning, honour this season, honour this moment. Come together in honour of each other, in honour of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to trust you. Hey, listen to this. This is God speaking right now. The Holy Spirit wants to trust this house with things he can't trust others with. And you know what? It's not because you're unbelievable. It's not worship at my footstool. It's just obedience. The greatest key to success is obedience. I think the other one is humility. And as we come humbly together, these guys were of brotherly love. And they had that Philadelphia love, which is not a love when we just all understand everything. It's a love in every season. And so they stayed together when this place was being persecuted. It was a church of relationship. Number two, it was a church of resilience. It says you have little strength. Why would you open doors for a church that's tired? I'd open doors for people that are the gun, been to the gym, ready to go. I've discovered God uses tired people when they're willing just to be obedient and saying, God, I remember speaking at youth camps many years ago. And by the way, Pastor Mark Elmendorf from Brisbane is with me here today. He's got a great church in Brisbane. Used to be in my youth group many, many years ago. We worked together. And uh, just say hello to Mark this morning. Stand up, Mark. And, uh, and uh, I remember going to the youth camp he was probably at. And I'm at the altar. And I've got this big line of young people we've got to pray for. And I got nothing. And I said to God, I said, God, I'm a hypocrite. How can I pray for all these people when I've got nothing? And he said to me, are you willing to give me your nothing? I said, God, I'll give you my nothing as long as it's sincere and and it's not me pushing people over because everybody used to fall over those days. (laughs) And I started praying for people. Empty, 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 
got to the end of the line, about three people before the end of the line, and the anointing of God came all over me. And I started to cry, and I started to prophesy over those last people, and then went back to the front of the line and started praying, not for everyone, but for a few people along the line. And God says, I want to teach you that if you give me your empty, if you give me your weakness, I'll make you strong. If you give me those things that you feel you don't even have, that lack of ability, I've always felt like I'm the last taxi off the rank. When I was in Youth Alive, I was the guy that got to speak in the afternoon because I wasn't a good enough speaker to speak at the main rallies. And I remember years ago, God saying to me, are you prepared to do that? Are you prepared to go to the little youth groups nobody wants to go to? Are you prepared to go to the churches nobody wants to go to? Are you prepared to speak in the afternoon shift and that's your only opportunity? Never make a decision on what's best for Danny. Only make a decision on what's best for the kingdom. And as you make the decision that's best for the kingdom. So after I go through amazing grief and I'm in, a, I'm in, in London and I'm in an airport and, and, and I'm saying, God, I can't do this. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. A guy comes up to me. He goes, are you Pastor Danny in the quantum? Lounge. I goes, yes, I am. He said, 15 years ago in Toowoomba, Queensland, my two boys gave their lives to Christ at a camp that you spoke at and you had a wedding service and you invited kids to come to the altar and get married to Jesus. And my two sons are serving Jesus today and they're in ministry and the Lord wants me to tell you, Pastor Danny, don't give up. Come on. Oh, come on. God opens doors for people that can be resilient when we give God our nothing, give God our empty, give God our weakness. I don't, this week I've been quite ill and every meeting I've come to, I thought, how am I going to pull this off? How am I going to do it? And the minute I open my mouth, there's an anointing that comes that helps you through. Because you give God your empty, but you know you can't do it, it's him anyway. And sometimes they are the best times because he opens doors that no man can shut. When we're willing to be in godly relationship, we're being godly resilient. And then the third one was revelation. It says, you did not deny my word. I had no idea on Wednesday when I spoke over this church some of the things that I did that you had a statement about the Word of God and pattern and truth. I talked about a truth-honoring church and I know that this is what this house is. You know, when we don't deny the truth of God's Word, sometimes it looks like we're going slower than others. Sometimes. But let me tell you, you cannot outrun God. Sorry, you, you, you can't do it on your own. We need God. And he brings us suddenly after a slowly that makes up for everything we thought should have happened back then. He just makes up for it because we're a people of revelation, not just people of wanting to impress. And I'm thankful to God for a church of relationship. I do sense great relationship over many years in this house, but I also sense there's a resilience that God wants you to get hold of. Serve him in your weakness if you're feeling weak. Serve him. Don't be afraid of the stretch that's going to come to this house because there's strength for the stretch. God will bring strength for the stretch as God enables this house, and I'm prophesying today, to have influence on other churches and other people that for a long time didn't realize they needed what you've got to give to them. But now they're coming to that realization. It is not a coincidence that your conference has grown like it has. It's not just all of a sudden, you know, it's your moment in the sun. Of course, in the sense it is, if God chooses it to be, but it's more than that. God knows what he's doing. And I want to tell you, there's more going to happen through, in and through this house, in this new era, than all the fantastic things you've seen so far. Do not settle. 
Do not settle. Increase your relationship. Respond with resilience. Stay in revelation. True to God's word. True to pattern. And then the last one was resolve. They trusted God under pressure. No matter what, they didn't move. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God and they, will have to leave, they won't have to leave it. Do you know what used to happen in Philadelphia? They used to have earthquakes. And what used to happen is people would have to run out into the open fields so their houses wouldn't crumble and crush them. And so they would run out into the open fields and right here it says, He that overcomes, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God and they shall go out no more. They shall go out no more, and I will write upon them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. I've lived my life with three understandings. God reveals, he reverses, he restores. God will reveal great dreams to people, and then for some periods of time, everything goes into reverse. And you flip, what's going on there? When God called me into the ministry, my wife and I started fighting like never before. The arguments my wife and I started to have and my anger problem that rose to the surface. And I'm saying, God, but I'm a minister. I'm called to be a pastor. How come this is happening? He says, because I've got to sift what I have to shift. Otherwise, I can't lift. God will sift. I've said this here before. God will sift you to shift you to lift you. And there's stuff we can't take to the next. So we go into a reversal where God pre-shapes us and cuts us for all that he has for us. And I believe there are individuals in this house that you have not fulfilled your potential yet. And there are people in this house, there's a call of God on your life. And there's, a, there's an anointing that God wants you to operate in. But let him have his way. Let him do whatever he wants to do. And be a person of relationship. Be a person of resilience. Be a person of revelation. Be a person of resolve. Because... In the words of Brian Houston, the best is yet to come. (laughs) Let's pray. This morning, Father, I thank you for this great house. And I do believe the best is yet to come. I do believe that open doors that these folk have never seen before to the level they're going to see. Now, I'm standing here prophesying this, Lord, and if it isn't true, then I need to be held accountable. But with all my heart, Lord, this is not one pastor scratching another pastor's back. This is Lord saying, God, I see in the spirit. The minute I walked in here, I saw in the spirit a new era. And Father, once again, we speak into that era today. And I pray for increased momentum. I pray for divine interruptions that are led by the Holy Spirit. I pray for clarity that flows from purity. And I pray that the future risks that are taken will flow from revelation and powerful things will happen in Church Unlimited. Love you guys. Looking forward to tonight. Bring your friends out and let's personally minister to you. But for those of you living with contrast, trust God. He'll pull you through. He's an amazing God.